0: Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim
1: religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Rev.
0: Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Rev. Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. Welcome to episode 10. <laughs> the final one of this season. <laughs> this has been a really good season.
1: I have enjoyed our conversations very much, actually. Um, it's been a long time, I think, since I've had like this many in-depth conversations about the nature of the divine. Uh, so I have appreciated it very much.
0: Right? And actually, that's really true. How often do you just like carve out time? You know, Friday mornings, we just sit put aside a couple of hours just to have meaningful conversations.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what? I didn't even think of it, but that's actually becoming part of my spiritual practice now. <laughs> I know I'm going to miss it when we stop. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. I mean, definitely going to,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, so we did, we decided, you know, way back when that we were going to talk about the divine and sort of the nature of the divine. And we sort of went on this journey in our minds about how to approach it and what aspects to pull out across this, 10-week season. Um, And we didn't really ever cover with you all, our listeners, why we decided to do this, like why we felt it was important to have a season devoted to thinking about the nature of God, the holy, the divine, whatever word we're going to use. So we want to talk about it today in our final episode.
0: And I think when we started, the idea was sort of, I know I originally came was coming at this like Greek myth you know all of the different gods and goddesses as faces and ways of understanding, and then sort of into the Hindu, right? The Hindu, three hundred thirty million gods, because there's sort of this infinite number of faces of God. But it became much more interesting than that for me, <laughs> maybe not for anyone else, but for me because because we started to shift away from ancient stories and more into. Um, the real lived experience of how we actually interact with the divine, this multi-dimensional reality that we're sort of encountering all the time.
1: Well, and it makes sense that we took that turn, um, right? As like, as liberal religious ministers, we're mainly concerned most of the time with how people actually live their lives right and so that that actually starts to answer this question of like why did it matter to do this season right one of the reasons it matters is because whether people consciously think about this or not their vision of the divine their vision of god totally impacts how they understand themselves how they understand other people in the world so it has implications for society culture politics just across the board how we view the holy or how we push it to the side and don't think about it impacts the world and how we live in it. That's one reason why it matters.
0: Right, and when we understand, I mean, we sort of separated all of these things, but when we know that God is the animating force for every human being, we then know that person to be holy and their work to be sacred and we know then God as love, as encompassing and embracing them, then their place, our place in the world, questions around justice, questions, I mean, really specific current event questions around education and you know, everything sort of gets impacted by how you understand, is this a person who is perfectly finite and completely independent of any other being or is this person grounded in this divine mystery in which we are all rooted and that their life is an expression of something that's really beautiful, that changes how we move in the world completely.
1: Well, and this is where, this is less the like, why does it matter? And more the like, what do we as liberal religious ministers want to push as a vision of God, right? Because yeah, the vision of God that you and I, you know, although it's different, for each of us, right? The thing that we share is a sort of fundamental notion that God and the divine participate in all things and all of us participate in it. And that it's a process that's unfolding that we are part of and that it's that the animation is good, right? That, there, that it is a force of sort of good into the world. So if there's an agenda we're pushing with this season, right, it's like to, to think about what it would look like to conceive of the transcendent as something inside you that is a positive force that is love that is sort of um, interdependence and how would that change the way you move in the world right Um, yeah that's like our sort of that's when the preacher in us comes out right where you can't you can't quite help but get a little you know both of us. Um we get a little (laughs) preachy. Yeah, I mean it's just who we are. We can't help it. Um, but there is another, I think there's another answer to the why does it, why did it even matter in the first place question. And um Peggy knows I can get a little bit hepped up about this one. Um, but I I do think that like there's there's a question around um when we when we deny God or deny the holy or the spiritual, that we kind of like we, we seed ground, we, we leave space for people to fill with dogma or creed or even conspiracy. Or paranoia, that like there's a fundamental human need to think about and investigate meaning and spirit and depth. And that if we as liberal religious folks don't engage in that actively, something else is going to come along and fill that need. And it's not necessarily going to be a good thing that comes along and fills that need. And so if we're not talking about these things, even if we come to a place of, there is nothing outside of me, which is a viable answer for one to hold. If we're not talking about it, we're we're kind of leaving a vacuum uh, that's gonna get filled. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: And that is getting filled. I mean, culturally, it's getting filled. Right? We were talking about QAnon. QAnon is a massive, I mean, it's sort of mind-blowing. how it's starting to define the culture and have real ramifications and I think that that vacuum was filled with those conspiracy theories and I think that we see it I mean I think we saw it around Trump too as sort of a messianic figure for some people that we remove authentic religion and ways of uh, living deeply with each other and then you start looking for for saviors you start looking for For something to fill these gaps, and whether that thing is destructive, doesn't seem to matter because it's it's needed in some way.
1: Yeah, it's meeting a need. So I think yeah, there's there were some really good reasons to undertake this season, right? Um, And the truth is, the season could go on forever because there's always something more to say. Especially if you understand the divine as an unfolding process, there's always something more to integrate into our vision and more to say. So could have been a 20 episode season um, but one has to stop sometime
0: <laughs> uh, yeah well and you know I mean at least in our understanding of the divine it is um, it is both really profound and full and also not yet and so the, the not yet quality the sort of process quality of becoming and evolving that in our awakening, the divine is also awakening and i mean that process goes on and on whether we stop the season or not so the revelations continue to unfold and we could talk about it forever i mean in some ways that is what it means to be a uu minister right where we are always watching revelations unfold and then and then reflecting back on it. what do we know now or in what ways are we more awake in what ways is god becoming more established more Godself self in this process yeah and
1: that's a process that's sort of internal but also you were um remarking earlier that it's also mutual right so in other words that the how did you put it that like through the conversation right you, you should say it since you said it
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i think what i was saying is that we know god through each other that um a spiritual director of mine, a mentor of mine once said, God exists in, in our gut and we see that God in the reflection of someone else's eyes. So that when we are in conversation, we know we know God, we know the God of ourselves and the God of each other so much better so that this conversation alone has revealed God, reveals the God in each of us. And then there's something, there's you and there's me and then there's what happens between us which is also divine. And I think that that happens for listeners too, that that the God in them becomes revealed as part of the conversation. And then we do a lot of, at least in in my circles, we do a lot of like uh, minimizing conversation. It's sort of like, well, we're talking about God, but we're not connecting and that we need to be alone and we need to be meditating, we need to be walking, we need to be in nurture, like there's all kinds of, of um, parameters we put around authentic spiritual experience. And I I do think that authentic spiritual experience happens with other people also. And it happens in conversation about God. So part of what we did this season was create the spiritual experience, was reveal God to each other as part of the process itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right, because it's really easy to stay in one's head about all this stuff and be like really sort of analytical and theological and historical, but fundamentally what we're talking about is our relationship to what is both within and beyond us, right, and that you kind of, no matter how heady you get about that, at the end of the day, the purpose of that is not analysis, the purpose of that is living holy and holy in the world, you know.
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's actually an interesting point because I think that in some religious circles the point is is what happens after death. the The point is about you know heaven and some kind of divine punishment or grace or something, and th- and that isn't where we're coming from at all. It really is about how are you living in the world right now, right? In fact, right before uh, you and I came on. I got an email from someone that really bugged me and was really entitled, right? And so I, I, my first response was, yeah, no one's doing that for you. But, but then I didn't send it. And I started with, wow, that sounds really frustrating. It seems that you're having a really rough time around some of this. And you're hoping that somebody can make this better. I'm wishing that was going to be me. I don't have those resources right? There's a way for us to um, to know God and make God manifest in our relationships, even in tiny little emails with people we don't even know. And for us, that's a lot of the point, right? The point isn't really what happens after death. We, we come down on the side of, well, we don't know what happens after death. So we've we focus <laughs> on what we know but that's been a lot of this season too is you know what is how does it matter right now right here and so what's
1: what's interesting about that is that um part of what being a sort of proactive or active participant in your own spiritual life does is it grounds you in a way and centers you in a way that allows you to not be reactive in those small human moments, right? So you get the email, and you've got this sort of fortitude and wherewithal to go, I'm not just going to dash off a response, I'm going to think about and remember that this is a person having an experience, and I can both validate that and hold very clear boundaries at the same time. And so I think that there is something too about exploring what God is, what spirit is, what the nature, because we've touched on the nature of humanity as we've gone, right? That doing all of that work, you know, part of what it does in order to, to help us live in the world, but part of the way it does that is by giving us a sort of, even if it's evolving and changing, giving us a sort of centered, grounded place to work from, right? Like even if that is unfolding, even if it's not the same exact ground every time, that exploration, that conversation, that focus does itself provide a sort of foundation so that we don't have to move through the world reactive and you know, we can be present in a different way.
0: Yeah, and I think we have to be very intentional about that. Absolutely. Also kind of thinking you know, that whole QAnon phenomenon, an important part of what that did and is doing is creating community for people And for me, um, being a minister holds me to an ethical standard I wouldn't otherwise be held to by the community um, to which I am responsible. There's something really powerful about those community connections and and that the shared understanding or a shared path, a shared questioning Creates a grounding that I'm that I find really important, and and when we don't have it, we fill it with something that's um, dangerous or destructive. But that when we do have it, we can be held to something that can be really um, beautiful and useful in the world. Which I, you know, in my own life, I appreciate and need a lot because my experience of God is sometimes very powerful, but sometimes not at all. Sometimes. I can really shift away from it quite a lot and focus on far less interesting (laughs) mundane things in the world and forget that the people I'm talking to are, are also holy, that God's vision is being revealed and unveiled through all of my interactions. Yeah, the community piece
1: is really interesting. I don't, I'm sort of thinking back on the season and I'm not sure that we did a lot of sort of connecting visions of the holy aside from the the idea that how I live in my community is impacted by my vision of the divine. But the whole notion of belonging to a community as being central to the human experience, right? That like fundamentally humans are, even those of us who are introverts, are community beings, right? Social beings, community-oriented beings. Um, and that to not have that again, that creates that gap, right, that you're talking about, but that the having of it, right, does relate to this question about the holy and the divine, because again, if you perceive all beings as holy, right, if you perceive our nature as sort of familial to each other, right, then there's, you can't not have community, right, like you can't it's sort of we you lean into the interdependence in a way that makes clear that community is a necessary a necessary piece of what it means to be human, right um so even though we didn't necessarily go deep on that community piece uh in this season, I think it really is there when you think about the nature of the divine
0: well, you know, and we didn't go into it sort of interestingly because we're in a pandemic and may not be feeling so connected to our communities, but we did go into it a lot in the first season. In fact, yes. I remember us saying like, and we're back around again to really, you know, this is about the community. And to be fair, we were in a room together. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. two of us, Amy, her producer, like we were all mm-hmm. in the room and the community was much more present. And we were in a building where there were other people and mm-hmm. it's just, in a city that was so loud we had to move to a back room and none of these things are have been true this
1: season hey this is fascinating right I love when we like come up I love when things come out and we've like, never thought about that before but it's a really fascinating thing right the the fact is yeah seasons one and two even two I think we talked about community the nature of community building why it's important all of these things and it's it's interesting to me that it didn't come up and I think you're right I think it's conditions. And so I wonder, um, I wonder what it means for all of us that our communities have shifted in these ways during the pandemic. That our understanding of how to connect, right? It's I, you can see it when you watch children sort of reapproach after months of isolation, right? That's where I've seen it most strongly. Is they're kind of like, how do I, how do I talk to another child? I don't. Who is this person? What is this, right? Um, adults have a little bit more experience to like draw on to figure it out, but. That sort of the shrinking of our worlds during the pandemic, the implication of that, when we start to come back out, right, the impact of that on the communities that we have built and that we know and that we care for, it's going to be interesting to see.
0: Actually, I don't know how this is related, but this is true. I've really been thinking a lot about whether or not my social circles were too large. I had too many of them because I was so exhausted all the time. And there was a constant feeling of wanting to be somewhere else. There was always somewhere to be and making choices all the time, right? I mean, I joke about it at work, but it's true that, that it's during the workday, but also I think on weekends and sort of maybe seven days a week, I, there's always somewhere that I am. There's always somewhere I'm supposed to be, somewhere else I'm supposed to be. And often there's like a third somewhere that I, I could be. Like there's just too much. And the shrinking of the social circles as a result of this pandemic may actually help to focus. At the same time though, there's um, I think the potential of a deepening in those that the very few social circles I've kept are much more intimate. They're much more authentic than they were before. And I don't wanna lose that. I'm part of a pod that's, probably about to be breaking up because we're vaccinated and we can all see other people now but there's something lost in that too
1: right well yeah the the question of community depth versus breadth right and you and I and I actually I would I would venture to say this has a little bit to do with stages of parenting actually as well as introversion versus extroversion because I I do not have a very broad, like I don't feel like there's always so much I be that I'm not. Um, so it's an interesting. So so okay. So we're wrapping up this season and we are thinking forward toward season four. And I'm I'm wondering now if there's some some. Okay, so what we wanted to do was say to you all some things that we're thinking about for season four and get your feedback, listeners. Um, but I'm going to add. I'm going to impromptu add one to our list of sort of thinking about things that we could talk about. And I wonder if if one option for season four is actually around community, especially sort of community post pandemic, and what you know, sort of yeah, like depth, breadth, all of these questions about what is it to intentionally cultivate community, what does that look like, social versus communities that are built around purpose, right? Um, so that's one option. Uh, we had also talked about the option of doing sort of a liberal religious parenting season, since we are both raising children. Um, like what does it look like to be a liberal religious parent trying to trying to raise religiously liberal children?
0: Uh, we talked about reclaiming religious language and reclaiming um, religious narrative and a variety of of myths and stories. Um, Most importantly though, we really would like to hear ideas from other people. What is it that you wanna be listening to? So email us at podcast at I'm gonna say it one more time, podcast at ccny.org if you have an idea. Our producer, Amy Wilson, is at the ready. <laughs> she would love to hear it. And our plan our plan is that we're going to start again in the fall, somewhere in September, late September maybe. But we're also going to do just a couple of standalone episodes between now and then. And we're going to talk about Unitarian Universalism and very much in particular. And we're going to talk about polity and, and quality meaning governance and the ways that, that the churches are formed and how that is grounded by our theology, how it serves us, but also how it's not serving us. We are, we have things to say.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. So many
0: things to say.
1: Yeah. Um, also though, just real quick, folks can also just comment on the YouTube videos and stuff. If you've got ideas, you can, you can leave a comment too. We track those. Amy watches um but yeah we'll do a couple of insider episodes and I suppose people could pitch insider episodes if they want or sort of one-offs you know that's a a thing we could do as well um but yeah we definitely want to hear what folks are interested
0: in uh talking about yeah because you and I could just keep talking but we shouldn't because this this episode has come to an end <laughs> <laughs> I'm Peggy. I don't like it when we go on breaks <laughs> I know, I know. We
1: should have a standing theology chat on Friday mornings when there's not a season happening.
0: Maybe we should. Well, this has been a great season. Thank you so much. And thank you to Amy. You all can't see Amy, but when we're recording, we can see (laughs) her. Amy's the one who makes all this happen. And thank you to everyone out there listening to us. Yep. See you in the fall. Bye. Bye.